0: Father, this morning we come to you praising you, thanking you for the things that you have done for us. We thank you for the answers to prayer for uh, the um, Adam and Sue's grandbaby, uh, for his safe deliverance on this earth. We thank you for the safety for his mother also. God, we've, um, we thank you for the fact that you sent your son, that he was born uh, one day as a as a little baby that he grew up to be a man that he sacrificed himself he gave himself on that cross so that we could have eternal life father we thank you uh, for that salvation that you give us through him and father we know that that when we give our lives to jesus when we um when we confess him as our lord and savior that's that's just the start uh, there's more to be done there's a growth to happen here in our lives on this earth so father we pray that as we uh, as we come to Sunday school, as we come to worship, uh, as we gather different times throughout the week. God, that you use those times to strengthen us, not just so that we can make it through the difficult times, but Father, strengthen us for the work that you have us to do. Help us um, to be able to use the things that we learn uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Uh, Father, I pray for uh, for the school startup. All those, any aspect—parents, grandparents, uh, uh, children that are going, teachers, aides, bus drivers, administrators, um, uh, uh, hallway monitors, uh, lunchroom coordinators, cooks. uh, uh, God, anybody that has anything to do with all of that, um, God, we pray that you will um, that you'll just put your hand on them, that you'll touch them, uh, because we know that the first few days, the first couple weeks are. Um, just a time of change and a time of, um, of sometimes even of chaos. Just pray that you'll give all of those workers the strength that they need in order to be ready for those children. Father, help them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians, chapter one, verses twenty-three through chapter two, verse four. I don't do that very often, but if you notice that um, uh, as we look at uh, the text, there were no chapters, there were no verse numbers in the letters as Paul wrote them. And so uh, somebody, way back sometime, in order to make it easier for us to find them, broke them up into chapters and into verses. And so um, uh, that's what we've got today, part of two chapters. Um and, and And we know, and we remember i think the the instance what was going on. Paul is writing to assure them of of several things, one of them is he's writing to assure them that he is truly an apostle he's writing to assure them that he didn't abandon them because some of them felt like he abandoned them because he only made that one quick visit, and then he took off pretty quickly and he didn't come back when he said he was going to, and they and they thought he was unreliable and that he had abandoned them and let them down. There were um, interlopers, if you will, that were um, uh, trying to draw people away from the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Paul. Uh, people who had come to the uh, the church and they had. And, and here's the way I see this with them. Okay, um, <clears throat> They were maybe maybe they heard the gospel. Maybe they understood it a little bit. Maybe they didn't understand it very much at all. But they were um, traveling preachers, uh, traveling teachers, and they came into this town looking for a group of people, maybe a group of people that they could align themselves with, a group of people maybe that they could teach, and they saw the church at Corinth. They saw the people that the Apostle Paul had ministered to and had worked with, and what they did then was they, um, they connected themselves with them, and they began to teach, and they began to teach there for one reason, pretty much, and that was financial gain. And then the things that they were teaching them were incorrect. They were not teaching uh, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that Paul had received from Jesus. And so a lot of what was happening was they were, um, they were saying, no, what Paul said is wrong. That's not right. You, you can't really believe that, can you? And so people were being drawn aside and led astray because of what was happening, and so there were people that were accusing Paul of several different things. And the biggest one that he's defending himself against right now here is the idea that he had abandoned them by not coming back a second time. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 through chapter 2, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul, that to spare you I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you, and with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your word. Father, I pray that you'll help us to see truth here, your truth, the truth. Father, I pray that you help us to see um, how it applies to us as a congregation and to us as individuals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And thank you for standing. I forgot to call and ask you to, but thank you for being um, reverent in that way. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul. You know, Paul had planned to uh, return um, and, and to, to visit with them. He had heard some things that were going on and some things that people were saying, and he had planned to go and to talk to them and visit with them, but he didn't want to just make a really short visit. He wanted to stay with them for quite a while and to help them to grow and to help them to learn. But then he went back and, um, and there was trouble. Uh, tensions arose, uh, troubles and chaos and problems, people accusing him probably. And, and, um, and, and, and so as a result, in order to kind of quell that and to stop that and to keep it from, from just causing a, a total breakup of the church, the Apostle Paul went on his way. And, they, and he said, I, I want to return back to you. I want to come back. But he didn't go back when he said he was going to. And so he writes this letter to them and he and, and, and explained why he didn't go back. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. To spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Some people think that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter saying that, um, or, or didn't go back because he didn't want the... Um, He didn't want them to hurt him anymore, okay? Some people think that's why he didn't go back, because he was tired of the hurt, and he was tired of the struggles, and he was tired of the pain, Um, but I'm convinced that that's not why Paul didn't go back, and there's two reasons I'm convinced of that, and one of them is right here. He said, I didn't go back because I wanted to spare you. I wanted to spare you, Um, and quite honestly, if he had gone back, he would have had to deal and deal pretty strongly with the problems that were going on in Corinth there were things that were going on. Um, some of the things that were going on, there were there was sin in the body, and I'm talking immorality, okay? Uh, there was heresy in the body because of these interlopers that were coming in preaching heresy. He was going to have to correct both of those things. There were people who were falsely accusing him of uh, being a false apostle and being a false minister and a false prophet, and he would have to correct them. And so, and he would and it would probably take a lot of effort and a lot of energy, and there would people be people then who would come up and defend these other people. Ah, oh, you don't really mean that Paul, you can leave them don't worry about them that's okay it's not a problem and then it would um it would cause them to have to split and to have two sides and and people going against Paul and people going uh on his side for him and he said, in order to spare all of that, I didn't come back to you in Corinth. I wanted to. And you can see what he says at the end of it. He says that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. He had a great love for the people in Corinth. He wanted to go and spend not just a Sunday there or two Sundays there or three Sundays there. He wanted to spend quite a time there so that he could be with them because he had such great love for them. And the other reason, um, and so that's one reason that I think that he didn't didn't go back was to spare them. The other re- that he wasn't, a how do I say this? I said there's two reasons I don't believe he was afraid to go back, and he didn't do it for his own good, okay? And one of them was he didn't go because he wanted to spare them. The other reason um, that I think he was not afraid of going back was because of, of what happened to him and what he shares with them in chapter 11, verses 22 and following. He says this, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequently in deaths often do you think he's afraid of a few interlopers at the Corinthian church if he's been through this from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one five times three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. Can you think of that? The people that he loved the most and that were supposed to love him the most, they put him in danger often. You know what he said about them? Basically, about his own countrymen, the the Jews? He said he would give his soul if they would come to Christ. In perils of the Gentiles. Hmm. Jews and Gentiles, that's pretty much everybody that's against him. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils against false brethren, okay? And maybe he's talking about these interlopers when he's writing that here. And weariness and toil, and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So if, if you think that he was afraid to go back to Corinth because he was afraid that he would get hurt some more, that he would be... Um, that he would be falsely accused, and he would be, um, uh, and they would slander him, and they would say bad things about him. If you think he was afraid of that, I think you got your theology and your scripture a little bit wrong. His concern for not going back, his reason for not going back, was because he didn't want to have to deal harshly with those that he knew he would have to deal harshly with in person if he went back. And so, instead of all of that, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. He wrote a letter, and not this one. It's it's. First Corinthians or or I don't know it would be we don't know what it is because we haven't found it we can't find it. It's a letter that he refers to and it's referred to later in this in this book, but it is, doesn't exist anymore as far as we know and if it does exist, we haven't found it and in that letter, he did what he would have had to do in person. he dealt with them harshly, but he wasn't there. he wasn't the center of that attention he wasn't the center of that um, controversy. Because he wasn't there. And in order to, to not have to deal with him harshly in person, he sent the letter instead of going. And he says, I, I, I um, didn't come to you so that I could spare you. He didn't do it to spare himself. You see all of those things that he, that he went through. See everything that he gave up and all of the beatings and the whippings and, and the stonings and the uh, you know, shipwreck and all those kind of things and being in jail. Um, he wasn't afraid of some interlopers. What he is afraid of was hurting the church of Corinth so badly that it would that it would do several things that it would it would separate Paul from that church, and that it would 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 bring um, uh, that it would no longer bring glory to God, and so instead of going, he sent this letter, this harsh letter that we don't have anymore. He says so. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul. Now he's already called some witnesses against his soul. Do you remember what those are? The first witness that he called was his own conscience. If you read that in, in verse 12, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience is that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. He called his conscience. He said, my conscience, I have looked back on my life and I've looked back on my ministry in Corinth and my conscience, I did it with good and pure motive. I didn't do it for financial gain or so that you would praise me and think I'm wonderful. I did it because it's what God has called me to do. He also called Jesus Christ, I mean, uh, verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. In a way, he called Jesus Christ as his witness. And then later on, he calls the Spirit of God, uh, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And now, now he's finishing this, uh, Trinity, by calling God as his witness, and I call God as my witness. And they may doubt his own conscience; they may doubt that what he says. He says, "I call God as my witness." That to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. And they doubted that that was the reason, and he says, "I call God as my witness." So he's had his own conscience, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, and now God the Father as his witness that he didn't go to Corinth in order to spare them. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. Not that we have dominion over your faith. This is interesting because um, does anybody have dominion over your faith? Who is in charge of your own faith? Well, we can go with two answers to that, right? And they're both right, God and you, okay? I mean, God builds up our faith, right? Okay, But guess what? I can't be the one that says, you have to believe this. You have to be the one that comes to believe something. And also, not just that, I can't say, um, okay, you are the one that has to live by faith. Now, the Apostle Paul, when you look at this, he says, um, for by faith you stand. some people think uh, that what he was saying to them was, you are standing by faith. Well, if you look at the context of the letter, there's not very much evidence there that these people, some of them, we're standing by faith. What he was saying to them was, I'm calling you and I'm challenging you to stand and to live by faith. All right? Because it's, by fa- it's faith by which you stand. If, if you say you believe in Jesus Christ, how do you believe in him? Do you believe in him because you saw him? No. They didn't. Do you believe in him because you saw him crucified? They hadn't. Do you believe in him because you see him now on the throne in heaven? No, they hadn't. So it's all accepted by faith. And he says, it's faith by which you stand. We live spiritually by faith. We accept Christ by faith. And, and you know, it's interesting to me that so often, so often in some people's lives, and I, I hope it's not yours, I don't know, um, so often in some people's lives, we say, well, I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But we don't trust him to take care of us here. I just think there's a little bit of irony there sometimes. You know, yeah, I, I've trusted Christ. I know that he can keep my soul from going to hell and give me eternal life with Jesus Christ, but I don't know if he can help pay that bill. I don't know if he can help keep my car running. I don't know if he can give me that or take care of that or, or maybe take care of an illness that I've had. I don't know if he can do all of that. I know that he was there at the creation of the world and he spoke the worlds and the universe into existence, but I don't know if he can heal my stick tummy. Really? I don't get it. I don't understand. And so he says to them, "By faith you stand." And it wasn't it wasn't a um a commendation on his part to them. He wasn't saying, "I see this is how you live." He was saying, "This is how you ought to live." But I determined this within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. I, you know, I I um I don't know if I'm, when I was in in college, they used to call me Tigger because apparently there was a spring in my walk. Now I'm getting a little bit older and there's not as much spring in my walk as there used to be. I'm serious. I would walk down the, and they, and they nicknamed me Tigger. I got a couple other nicknames too, but uh, that's the one that's more appropriate to share right now, Tigger. Uh, And, and most of my life, I mean, Kathy says I'm a pessimist. All right, a pessimist. I'm pessimistic. It's like, if anything can go wrong, it will, okay? Well, that guy's an optimist because I'm going like, if anything can't go wrong, it will, okay? So she thinks I'm a pessimist, but, but believe it or not, there was a time when I had a spring in my walk and they called me, e- called me Tigger. Never in my life have I ever been called an Eeyore. Oh, I don't know. how are you? you know, I wish I could imitate Eeyore, okay? But here's the thing. Uh, And Eeyore is a good friend of mine. But I just smack him a little bit and go, relax, God's got it. Paul said, I don't want to come to you as an Eeyore. I don't know that he really went to them as a Tigger, but he didn't go to them as an Eeyore. He didn't want to go to them when he was sorrowful. He didn't want to go to them when he was sad. He didn't want to go to them when he was upset. Because he knew that if he went to them and he was like that, it would bring them down too and if what he had brought them down then who was going to bring him back up okay and so i mean um i used to golf with my dad uh and i'm a terrible golfer you know a game of golf is a good walk ruined right you know it's like he would buy all these golf balls and um and i go dad i can't use that new one cuz i'm going to lose it and uh and so i would use old golf balls because I'm a terrible golfer. Dad would tell me, water seeks its own level. All right? So, because, okay, so here I am shooting, I don't know how many, and here he is shooting like this. Well, his score went up and mine went down. Water seeks its own level. And that's what happens with attitudes too. Right? If you've got somebody that's just happy all the time, you want to hang around them, don't you? If you've got somebody that's just down in the dumps all the time, it's like, I'm not going there. You know? I want to find somebody that's going to help bring me up. I wanna h I want to find something so if you're sad, you don't go to somebody that's a, that's an Eeyore. If you're sad, you want to go to somebody that's a tigger, somebody that's gonna help bring you up. Now there might be a little bit of a change in that. Like like if you're really sad, it's like I don't want to listen to somebody that's happy. Just forget it, they're too much. You might there might be that too, but you want to be brought up most of the time. Paul says, Listen, I determine this within myself that I will not come again to you in sorrow, for if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad? but the one who is made sorrowful by me. All right, well, my English probably got that across a little bit better than, than what his dad did. If, if, if I go to you and I'm sad, and I make you sad, okay, so what was gonna happen was, if he went to them all sorrowful, and what was he sorrowful about? He was, he was sorrowful that there were so many of them living in sin, that there were so many of them uh, believe in heresy, and that there were so many of them that doubted his, um, his ethics, okay, in his ministry, he was sorrowful about all of that, and he was sorrowful about the possibility that it would, that, that would cause a uh, break between them and him, a break in their relationship. He was sorrowful about all of that. So he didn't want to go to them with all that sorrow. He wanted to fix the problem ahead of time, and that's why he wrote the letter. I determined not to come to you when I was sorrowful because I didn't want to make you sad. I didn't want to be harsh with you. I wanted to be gentle. I wanted to be kind. I wanted to be compassionate. I wanted to be loving. And I got to say, that's what we all want to do. I don't, I, I mean, I know a few pastors um, and, and I think that's what they all want to do. My, I don't want to come to, uh, I did talk to somebody this week and I shared one of my problems. I don't do that very often. I just don't. I don't share with most of you my difficulties. Um, by the way, it's pretty much taken care of. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy now. Uh, And, um, but I just try not to do that because I don't want my troubles to drag you down. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's good for you all to pray for me, but just know, hey, I have a question for you real quickly. Am I any different than you? Oh yeah, a little bit, but are we all human? Do we all have the same struggles sometimes and the same difficulties and maybe, you know, do we all get down and discouraged a little bit sometimes? I try not to show that too much, but yeah, it does happen. So now that you know it happens, all you need to do is pray for me. Okay? Uh, And I think that would have helped Paul a whole lot if he had known that all these Corinthians were really praying for him. So all of that to say, um, the pastor, the pastor is supposed to uh, encourage. Paul is supposed to encourage and lift up, um, but who cares for the pastor or Paul when they're down, you know? And so... um, I'm thankful that I do have people here that I can call, that I can share things with. And, uh, and sometimes just the sharing of that is, is an encouragement to us. So Paul says, listen, I'm not going to come to you uh, uh, sorrowful because I don't want to make you sorrowful too, uh, because then how are we going to fix all the problems and make things better? And then in verse three, he says, and I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. I wrote this very thing to you. I wrote this, um, I wrote as I did. I wrote for precisely this reason. In other words, I wrote so that I wouldn't come to you and make you sorrowful. Because if I came to you and I was upset, I was, I was distressed, I was worried, um, I was worried about even your faith, if I came to you in that mood and that attitude, then it was going to bother you and make you upset. And I didn't want that to happen because we'd all be, uh, all be distressed then. So I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came I should have sorrow over those whom I ought to have joy, from whom I ought to have joy. Now listen, why would he have sorrow? He would have sorrow because maybe if he went and he was the center of the controversy, they didn't you know, the, the interlopers were preaching against him and teaching against him, teaching against uh, the gospel that he preached, he went, and they believed that, the interlopers instead of him. I mean, we all know that one of the worst things that we can have, that we can see happen, is our own children to fall away from Christ. And to him, that's what was happening. The Corinthians were his own children, his children in the faith, people that he loved so much that he was that he would even stay away from them to help them to heal and to make things better. And he said, I don't want to, I don't want to see this kind of sorrow. I don't want to come to you and see that there are people still living in in immorality and in sexual sin. I don't want to come to you and see that so many of you still believe these heresies that you believe. I don't want to come and see that because then I'm not going to have the joy that I ought to have in you some of the fruits of the gospel of my ministry. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you. Much affliction and and anguish of heart. That, um, uh, you know, deep sorrow, um, distress, unbelievable pain, grief, heaviness of heart. Because he had spent so much time with the Corinthians, poured his life into them, and into, I- into them growing as Christians. And now he saw all of this happening saw that they, not only was there somebody amongst them living in sexual sin, but they were applauding him for it, you know. You see that happening today? I mean, y- you do. You know, what we, what God calls evil, many are now calling good. What God calls good, many are now calling evil, you know. And so uh, that's the kind of thing that he was dealing with. and 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 then the heresy. And then the idea that they didn't trust him anymore out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you. This is the letter he's talking about, the one that we don't have, the one that would be interesting to see. I wrote to you with many tears. Sad, upset, that this is what it had to come to, that he wasn't able to go to them and see them in person, but that in order to to bring them back together and fix their relationship. He had to write a harsh letter to them to help and uh, repair and to get them to repent. I wrote to you, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. You see, Paul had written, and while he was writing, I can imagine the tears dripping down, thinking about all of the things that were happening to his beloveds in Corinth shedding tears over the situation and what was going on. He had written to the church not to cause them grief, but so that they would know his love for them and that he would have come and he wanted to come, but he knew that it was better for them if he stayed away for a time. He had written for them, to, to them to get them to repent, to get them to repent of sin, of scandal, and of heresy. He had written to them for their good and for their benefit he had stayed away from them for that time for their good and their benefit and what we see is that his letter worked at least to some extent and that there was some improvement and he was able later to go to them you see you look at all of this and you think well what does that have to do with me i'm not the apostle paul i'm not i'm not even a pastor But you think about the ones that you love and about the pain and the difficulty and the stress that you have because maybe they aren't following Christ. And you just keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep asking God to bring them back to himself. Pray that they will repent of whatever sin, whatever heresy they have. You see, I think about the Apostle Paul and all that he's been through. And I know the struggles that I've had, and some of them are, um, none of them are as great as any of the struggles he's had. But I know that through it all, what God has called me to do as pastor is to love the congregation, love the flock, love the church. And I see Paul here, and I see it applying to us as having more concern for the church than he did for himself. I mean, if, if, if... Again, I don't think Paul was scared. I don't think he was worried about the insults that would come. I don't think that bothered him hardly at all. If he'd been beaten with lashes four times, hit with rods three times, beaten with rods three times, stoned once, shipwrecked, I don't think this was something that was really going to, you know. And the only reason it would bother him is because it would be coming from people that he loved so greatly. His concern, his great concern was not for himself. His great concern was for those people in Corinth, the ones that he had ministered to, the ones he'd shared the gospel with, the ones that he loved so much to return to the faith that he had shared with them and for them to stand by faith. You know, there's a lot going on in our world today. There's a lot going on. I mean, you think about all of the uh lgbtq you think about um just i mean the, the the record high almost inflation you think about the wars and the rumors of wars you think about about people attacking uh pro life organizations because they're they're pro abortion okay you think about um all of those things and more and you think what do we got to do well the simplest answer is love one another. Love each other like Christ loved the church. I don't know what all's happening in in your life, the rough things that are happening. I don't know if life is just getting more and more and more difficult for you. I trust that for many of you it is. I don't know the questions and the doubts that you might have. But I know that there is a God that loves us. There is a God who sent his son for us. There is a God who has the answers. And there is a God that wants us to be obedient to him. We're going to have a hymn of decision here in just a few minutes. And I'm going to be at the front and I'm just going to open the uh, invitation time. And if there's anybody here that has never trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, I'm going to be here at the front, ready to share with you. might be that you just simply have a prayer need, and you just want to pray by yourself. You're welcome to do that. might be that there's a prayer need that you have that you want to share with me, and that you might want me to share with the church. If so I'll be here uh, ready for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, for your forgiveness. Father, help us to love your people like you. You love us, and like the Apostle Paul, love the people of Corinth. Father, help us to be willing to do the things that you call us to do, to not be afraid to suffer insult and, um, and difficulty for the cause of Christ and for the church. Father, help us to walk the way you call, call us to walk, to be obedient to your word. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.